0: As someone living with lung cancer, speaking up and being proactive during this cancer journey is absolutely critical.
1: Self-advocating can play a big role when dealing with lung cancer, but it doesn't need to be daunting. Try preparing questions you want to ask your doctor at your next appointment, confirming when you are unsure or have concerns, and asking about biomarker testing, which may help your doctor select an appropriate treatment.
0: I hope anyone who's diagnosed with lung cancer, whatever the stage, is willing to speak up, ask questions... Assemble a support team and fight.
1: Visit bit.ly/SoundUp for lung cancer. For links to resources and to learn about SoundUp, a patient-inspired community-led campaign supported by Novartis to empower people affected by lung cancer.
0: Pumped. I'm ready to talk about
3: cannabis with Javier Hasse on a Tuesday afternoon. What's up, Javier? Doing great. Doing great. Enjoying Colombia. Uh, happy with the election results uh, here in Colombia. On on Sunday, they they held the second round of, of elections, and for the first time ever, Colombia has a left wing government, uh, left wing president, and a female tell us where you really stand, Afro Colombian.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad you're happy. Uh, does that mean anything for cannabis? Without going super political, tell us what it means for cannabis.
3: It does. So, so the, the, the new president-elect Pedro, is is uh, has expressed, uh, you know, a pro-cannabis stance. The one thing he wants is for people who are affected by the war on drugs here to to really participate in the business. He argues so far it was the, the oligarchs and friend of the power and, and foreign investors who really benefited from the, the nascent industry. But now, you know, what he wants to do and what his vice president, uh, Francia Marquez, wants to do is, is really make it more accessible. Francia herself, who, who once was a maid and, and then became a lawyer um also is a very big fan of industrial hemp for textiles and stuff like that so very exciting
0: that's awesome y'all welcome in to cannabis insider we chat news we chat updates we interview the coolest c-suites in cannabis we're here with javier Hase, the leading uh cannabis journalist as far as i'm concerned in the world um, and I am just a dude over at Benzinga. But we hang out every Tuesday and Thursday from 4 to 4.30 Eastern Time. Uh, so drop in your cannabis stocks. If you want to learn about cannabis investing, uh, drop in your questions. Also, amazing, amazing interview we have today with the CEO of NASDAQ-listed Leafly, ticker L-F-L-Y, Yoko Miyashita, Super, super excited! I hope I said her last name correctly. I think I got it right, uh, but we'll see. So, Javier, what does that mean for public companies, man? When we look at Colombia, we'll dive into some more news here recently. But like a floor Growth or a Chiron Life Sciences or a Clever Leaves, you guys who are operating in in Colombia, uh, pricing has has been attractive. Uh, when investing, mm-hmm. looking at these Colombian companies. so uh, when improving, what what outlook does this improve
3: for the stocks that these that these investors can look at? I mean, we'll see how the market develops. they they currently they have a good a medical market, some exports, but but I, I think Petro is now betting on the adult user recreational market, and that could could really mean a a big boom for uh, companies operating here, which so far haven't seen uh, massive sales locally. We're talking Chiron, we're talking Pharmaciello, we're talking Flora Growth, we're talking Avicana, we're talking One World Products, Blueberries Medical. Go check all, all these stocks out. This is not a recommendation, but check them out. They're publicly traded, they're investable, and they're all pretty uh, depressed in terms of valuation. So it might be a great entry point for some of these stocks. Awesome. Awesome. So let's keep it going. Let's keep it rolling. Y'all drop a one in the chat if you're new to Cannabis Insider. Drop a two in
0: the chat if you've seen us before or drop a three. You know, we never do threes. Drop a three if you're a regular viewer. Uh, Hope there's a ton of ones, twos and threes today. Thanks for tuning in. Um, Let's do a round robin. Javier, I got some stuff that I'll follow up with, but what are you thinking about today, man? I know you have a lot uh, going on.
3: I do, I do. There's uh, more news out of the Spanish-speaking world. Breaking news, you read it in Mendinga first. Spanish pharmacies will be selling cannabis before the end of 2022 in a pretty uh, surprising move, right? Like, honestly, Spain wasn't really advancing with cannabis, and suddenly all, you know, out of the blue, this comes out. Very, very cool. Some not-so-cool news out of the U.S. The DEA reported an uptick in marijuana-related seizures and arrests. Uh, we saw about 20 percent more seizures and 25 percent more arrests in 2021 versus 2020. Which so oh does any of this? Can we point to
0: any of this and look at illicit market? I know the act, the activity of arresting. Uh, People for cannabis is a little bit outplayed, a lot of it outplayed, however you want to look at it. But the illicit market has been a large barrier for the legal marijuana industry. So can people look at any of that bit as a positive?
3: Uh, What do you mean like the arrest? (laughs) What what is the positive? In
0: terms of is this all illegal states? Is this all legal states? Is this across the U.S.? It's a combination of the two. Um, Can they look at your all's writing on cannabis on Benzinga.com slash cannabis for a little bit more of a breakdown?
3: Yeah, I mean, the the article breaks it down a little bit. Um, It doesn't break down by geography, by state. Uh, But I mean, overall, we should be seeing less arrests and less seizures as uh, as cannabis gets legalized or penalized across the country. I do assume that uh, companies in the industry operating legally have something to do with this. Of course, they, they pay taxes. They pay very high taxes. Of course, they expect, right, uh, for illicit operators to to see some kind of consequence for not doing this the right way, the clean way, the legal way. Uh, but it's still very disappointing to see to see arrests and seizures increase. This should, shouldn't be the the direction uh, these numbers are taking so some open
0: debate. I think I'm not. We're not going to have it here. I don't. You know, uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I think there's got to be some sort of punishment, right, for for those operating illicitly in a California, in a Colorado, in an Oregon, Washington. You know, that that's a big barrier for these markets that is holding down a lot of small businesses. Uh, one of the many reasons, obviously, taxes is a big issue too, but uh, and other reasons. But just just a thought. You know, I think open for discussion. Mm-hmm. I don't have the answer. I'm Not saying I do.
3: Quick, quick notes, and, and then maybe you can share some of your news. A um, uh, quick response to Tracy, who's watching on LinkedIn. She's asking about pharmacies. Was that Spain or Colombia? Uh, pharmacy sales we're talking about in Spain, although you can get cannabis uh, and master formulations uh, based on cannabis in Colombia as well. So, Elliot, you shoot.
0: Yeah, all right. I got, a, I got some stock updates. If you listen to Cannabis Daily in the mornings, uh, we do it every morning around like 8.20 a.m. It streams on LinkedIn, streams on Benzinga Cannabis Twitter. Uh, but there's a few stocks I think I was watching today, Sundial and Hexo. Thought super interesting news there. Sundial, this might be my, my favorite term we've ever had on the show, Javi, a stalking horse bid for Xenobis, a, a, a subsidiary uh, of Hexo that they bought a few years back and they acquired. It was a really big acquisition at the time. Xenobis, a really really well-known a uh, Canadian licensed uh, producer of cannabis. They have two very large facilities, one in operation,
3: one not. Um, yeah. That would be... Also EU. Sorry? Also, also EU GMP certified. EU uh, GMP certified. In Israel, Malta and the UK. The one thing that I didn't see was the price. Did you see the...
0: I did not see a price. I think like they just animals? released that they have uh, put in an initial bid. But this is all... Um, this is. You know, basically, it's determined on the Quebec Superior Court. They have to approve it, and there can be alternative bids. So, this is not Sundial acquired Hexo Xenonis. This is Sundial has put in a stalking horse bid, which I'm going to say that so many times. It's incredible. So, sMDL and HEXO, both on the NASDAQ, both, um, I think, Uh, Very interesting today, and that's something to watch for. And honestly, whenever we talk about Hexo and them divesting assets, I look at Tilray to see how that moves. Um, You know, I think something interesting to watch there. And my second stock I'll call out is Possibit. I don't think um, this was talked about enough today, Um, but tech has been a huge um, receiver of funds over the last quarter plus, we'll say over the last few months. Uh, and they received $5 million Canadian reinvestment from current institutional investors to enter into eight new states. That takes them into like high 20s, yep. I think like 27, 28 states. That's awesome. Sure. For the POS system, sure. y'all, for them to be in that many markets, probably be in the, that many dispensaries, obviously far above that number of states, I, I'm, I'm looking at possible. But I think they are setting themselves up to be around for a while.
3: Yes, sir. Three point six million dollars U.S. for the prior placement, and I think that is a good, as good a lead-in as any other for a, for a conversation today. Aaron, let's cue Yoko.
0: Yoko, how are you? Welcome in.
2: Hey, so great to join you today. Thanks for having me on. Oh my
0: gosh, it's a thrill. Thanks for being with us. So before we get started, I think the last time you were with us, we did a little conversation at MJ Biz in October, I think. Um, but with that, can you just give us a quick summation of what we got? Oh, I think we may have. Oh, there we go. Hey, Yoko, can you hear us? You're
2: back. I can hear you. How are we doing? Good, good, good. Connectivity. Okay.
0: Um, so, yeah. So, just a quick summation of Leafly.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, I love, thank you so much with opening and recognizing. We are NASDAQ traded LFLY. That's a big moment for us. We closed our GoPublic transaction in February. But we are a... Um, content-driven marketplace. What does that mean? We leverage our unique educational and informational content to help consumers navigate their cannabis journeys and then connect them with the licensed retailers and brands that carry their products. It really is an online marketplace model, one that we're so familiar with, with consumers and bringing that technology and mindset to solve some of the biggest challenges for consumers and retailers and brands today.
3: That is fantastic. Yeah. You know what one of the, the the things that that you really focus on is is education, right? Uh, and of course, a lot of companies say that, but but for you, it's really your bread and butter almost, right? It's the informed way to to shop for weed, you say. Uh, can you develop a little bit on this and, and and some of the challenges that you face, right? when when educating uh, consumers and non-consumers as as it relates to cannabis?
2: you I know mean, let me start with the challenges. It's just lack of awareness around the complexity you know, for me it's complexity, it's actually the magic of this plant, right? Think about this. Over 6,000 entries in our strains database today, each with a unique chemical composition and, What does that mean? That means it drives unique effects in consumers. So if you're turning and, you know, think about this plant and how it's used by consumers, there's of course recreational use, but think of all of the medical conditions or health and wellness benefits that this plant offers and why people are turning to this. So when we think about the biggest problem that we're solving for consumers, it's helping them navigate that complexity and make smarter choices to drive the effects they want out of their consumer, their cannabis experience. And then when you can go one step further and then help them solve what should I try and buy and locate the right strains and products at nearby retailers and brands. It's not just solving the consumer problem, but really tackling challenges that retailers and brands face, which is reaching engaged cannabis consumer audiences. And why is that? It's because our primary digital advertising channels, right? Facebook, Google, other online advertising are not open to cannabis. So we feel like we're solving one of these unique challenges for all three participants on our platform.
0: That is super cool. Uh, And something that we uh, claim on here a lot, that education, there's just, there's not a lot of good education really out there so how you know I, I guess can you just expand a little bit on when you get edu- when you get strengths and you get products uh, from these companies how, what is your your process like turning that into consumable information is it the format is it uh, you you ask them questions that that then come to your platform I'm curious how you have put together a successful formula for streamlining the information from the retailer to the consumer
2: Yeah. And, you know, like, let, let me flip that on its head and I'm going to start with strains where so much of our richest content lives and a lot of our proprietary content, where's that coming from? That's coming from growers themselves who are actually breeding new strains and giving us information. We're augmenting that. you know, we also get user generated submissions around here's a new strain that we found in market. It's not in your database, but we then go and vet that we augment with lab data through lab partnerships. And then we're able to layer on all of this qualitative feedback feedback from consumers. So it starts with strains and really the, you know, what I would call the power horse of Leafly and being able to communicate and put that information in the fingertips of consumers. And for us, the challenge is how do you pull that information through to help consumers shop and this is where it gets really interesting and you know, also complicated. We're we doing a lot of product and menu upload. You were talking about pause a bit earlier with our POS partners, right? That are powering retailer menus. So we do the lift for retailers. We integrate with these POS systems. And then we come and we take that and we enrich our content on top of that. We strain match. So then when you're actually looking at a product on a retailer menu, we can bring you the rich strain information to augment that menu item. Otherwise, you're just looking at a product on a menu and having to decipher, how is this gonna make me feel? Is this the right product for me? So we'd really focus in on that informed way to shop. How do we empower you as a consumer to make that decision?
3: Yeah, and and many times it's confusing, right? The names don't say much. There are many times fantasy names. Leafly came out a few years ago with with, with a much more complex way of categorizing strains. It's no longer just Indica and Sativa. By the way, there's no Indica and Sativa anymore. Everything is a hybrid. So (laughs) I'm sure it's very complex, right? And you say, you know, one one of your your main uh, business, uh, you know, one of the main uh, aspects of your business is information. But now you're also betting on delivery direct to consumers, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that? I, I know that is a very new initiative. And one that that shareholders might be particularly interested because it's it's a straightforward revenue generating business.
2: it's I'm super excited to talk about that because it's really meeting consumers where they're at and how they want to shop. And you know for us, we've always you know, we launched a strong pickup shopping experience in two thousand and eighteen. What is that? That's placing an order online, picking up in store. You know this with food delivery, you know this with a bunch of other models, but that works in states that are virtually pickup in-store shopping dominated, but think mm-hmm. about delivery. And you know, sometimes you have to break this down because you're like, ah, oh, pickup delivery, what's the difference? Does it really matter? How you shop in delivery is so different than how you shop in pickup. In pickup, you want to know how far you have to drive to pick up your merchandise. Mm-hmm. In delivery, you want to know how quickly they can get to you, what's your minimum basket size, and might have to pay a delivery fee. And most importantly, you have to tell me your address so I can tell you which retailers deliver to you. And so it's that nuance and creating that right shopping interface for consumers that then gets them and matched up to the retailers and dispensaries that can deliver to them. Why is that powerful and meaningful and important? Think about markets like California, where, you know, so many consumers, and this is where I love, you know, I love the complexity of cannabis. I'm in Washington State. I can't order for delivery. Delivery is not a legal option here. But in California, where our consumers there love to shop by delivery, it, it's a game changer for us to have a product that really serves consumers there in a way they like to shop.
0: That's fantastic. All I'm hearing right now, though, is data. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like the, the data influx here is incredible. Um, so when, when, you know, and to me, how, do you, how does that data uh, help you is it really the data that helps you stick out it, like when it, it comes is, to
2: it is so i thank you for making that point for me. It is so much about the data in terms of how do you serve each of these audiences. Think about data and first and foremost that ability to drive personalization and curation. There's so much noise consumers have to sort through. There's so much complexity. How can we leverage the data that we generate on our platform to reduce that overhead on consumers first and foremost? Where else is that data valuable? Retailers. How do you make, how do you put data in their hands to make informed decisions about how they will spend for customer acquisition? How do we give them sales data? How do we give them local market data? You know, Exact same model for brands. It is the data that helps them make smarter decisions and grow their businesses, and that's what we're focused on. Just and just that's and like, sorry, one more point. Sure. Like that's that's first-party data used on the platform itself. We haven't even talked about the second layer of how do you leverage data in secondary monetization. I love it when a CEO
0: teases us, <laughs> hobby. It's just like, oh, I will get to the chills. Um, but, but, so Yoko, can you know? To me, the data is such an important point to when this is federally legal, because then you get in an Amazon, you know, coming in and offering CBD. But it seems the data is what puts you ahead. Um, you know, the the expanse into these markets is really what puts you ahead of maybe some of these giants jumping in. Is that? an in, in effective assumption there? It's,
2: it's data and it's trust right? Like where are, and I love that you started and acknowledged we're so rooted in our mission of education and information. Like this is a quasi legal product in terms of building a reputation for giving consumers trustworthy and accurate info, calling out the stories that need to be called out in this transition from legacy to license. Like that's something that we really pride ourselves on. And we think is really important for that consumer trust that's something that is earned. You, do, you can't just buy your way to that. That's something you earn over time. So when you couple that plus the head start we have on the data where they are coming to us because we have these unique content assets and then we can do all build off of that downstream, we think that's truly differentiated in this space today.
3: Let's talk a little bit about industry, industry trends, right? Like, you know, we're, we're in a complicated macroeconomic environment, you know, inflation, Uh, increasing uh, interest rates, recession, right? How does this affect the cannabis industry in your view, right? What changes, what stays the same? Are there opportunities? Is it all bad for the cannabis industry?
2: It is so easy to fall into that trap, right? And I know it is a really scary time for a lot of people out there. We're seeing inflation, we're seeing pressures on, you know, if you're in technology, you're seeing what's happening in the markets. But don't forget this unique nature of this product and how critical it is for some consumers, right? It, like there's this really theme emerging and conversations around is cannabis recession proof? Remember, this is a medical product that people need for their day-to-day healthcare and there's a persistence in the demand in a product of that nature and you know what will you see trading down potentially from top shelf to mid-tier quite possibly but what is then important in this space surfacing discounts and deals getting consumers closest to the retailers that can offer the best price and that's something that we've been continuing to uh Invest in on our platform to help retailers reach those consumers, but I, you know I think we're in this really unique time. We've seen cannabis deemed essential through a pandemic, and you know amazing numbers and growth. We see markets opening up, and I, I will not I don't want to be the head in the sand to say, "Hey, we're going to be okay, but i st- I remain very positive and optimistic about the opportunities for cannabis, even through difficult times,
3: yeah. And, and Sebastian here in the chat is, is asking some very good questions. I'm going to share his last question because I think it's, it's particularly interesting, right? When we're talking about cannabis being recession-proof, he goes like, so what? It's it's like a tobacco company. And, you know, to a certain extent, I, I would argue, yes, right? Like a lot a lot of people won't stop smoking. It doesn't matter if they have a lot of money or low little money. Right? But, but what similarities do you see in this aspect? And what do you see it being different? How do you see it being different?
2: I think you know that's an interesting one. I haven't really thought about the n- tobacco industry and the parallels there, but I do think it's because of that crit- um the critical nature of it as a health and wellness product. And think about what we what so many of us leverage cannabis for. It is for a set of managing stress, right? It is for relaxation. And who needs that mo- we need that more than ever in these times, which is yep. why Maybe you're, and what I will say is, you know, we're, and we may be a lagging indicator here, but you know, it's not stopping the interest in cannabis continuing to grow. It's not stopping consumers are coming to learn about it. And you know, what what it may be become is more discernible purchasers. That's okay. We want to help them drive and navigate through that process.
0: I, I love that. But I think the big differentiator here outside of the other sin stocks is You know, we don't need White Claws or trulies for medicine uh, as much as we might think we do. (laughs) Uh, But with that, Yoko, can you, you know, I think this will be a good place for us to quote unquote wrap up because we're going to have you on a bunch more. We love having you on here, but the the growth of medical cannabis seems a bit um, not talked about. In the U.S. versus globally, of course, you see the U.K. very focused on it. The German market was very focused on it now moving towards rec, but Spanish market now focused on it. You know, you see internationally the growth of medical cannabis. Uh, do you feel we should be more focused on it in the U.S. than we are and just focused on these recreational markets and getting excited about that?
2: It's a funny one because, frankly, we're constantly focused on it. That remains a focus, medical and recreational, and that is sort of the power of education and informational content that drives the marketplace. And I'm so glad that you mentioned international because that demand, that interest, that need for educational and informational content exists on our platform. We see it internationally. And so we'll continue to deliver against that mission of educating and getting that information into the hands of our consumers and whether our market legalizes for medical use or recreational use, we'll continue to connect consumers to those licensed brand and retailers.
0: All comes back to education.
2: It all comes back to ed- it comes back to the informed way to shop. And that's a unique function of this very magical plant we work with.
0: I love that. Yoko, thank you so much for being here. Really, really appreciate your time. Uh, Yoko Miyashita, CEO of Leafly NASDAQ, listed LFLY. Congratulations again on what I know could not have been an easy process, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you did it and you did it well. So thank you so much for coming on and talking
2: about it. Great to see you both. Thank you. What a pleasure.
3: at the Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference in September. Yes, we...
0: Yoko, I'm talking to your people. My people being me are talking to your people. <laughs> I am my people. Uh, we all have hobby <laughs> call. So, you know, uh, hopefully we will see her in Chicago September 13th and 14th. But that is a great lead-in. Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference is returning. Kim Rivers, uh, Chris Beals. We'll have Charlie Bachtel. We'll have Wendy Berger. We're going to have pretty much every major thought leader in the industry will be there uh, as long as Yoko comes. Uh, in Chicago, and most importantly, Javier Hase, Argentinian action figure, will be there as well. My friend, always a pleasure. Any last words you want to leave? Thank you so much, Sebastian, for being active in the chat. Tracy D. Lufkin, we appreciate you. Aaron Bryan, Trent A., long sundial. I can't blame you, man. I think they've been killing it recently. Uh, I'm a sundial bull. I'm going to be honest with you. No recommendations here, but I think Zach George has led that company magnificently the last year, year plus. That's just my opinion.
3: Sir. For me, it's a couple of plugs is for you, Benzinga.com slash cannabis for all of your daily news, 40 articles a day, everything that's important. If you're feeling like a destination conference right before the Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference, mm-hmm. join us in Panama for Latam Canbiz, hosted by our sister company, El Blanteo, Panama, September 1 and 2, latamcanbiz.com. Visit for all of the information on our upcoming conference. And, of course, listen to Mr. Elliot Lay's daily podcast, Cannabis Daily, which is also the name of our newsletter, Cannabis Daily. Subscribe, listen, and like.
0: <laughs> We're consistent. you got to give us that. We're, we are a consistent group over here at Benzinga. Thanks, as always, guys. Keep an eye on right now. We have a major investor in the space. I got to talk to him at MJ Impact, president of the Panther Group. Scott Berman is gonna speak with us right now. Stay tuned. Let us know your thoughts in the chat. We'll be there. We'll see you. See you Thursday, Javi, my man. Peace. All right, y'all, here at MJ Unpacked, again, awesome, awesome event. We have really cool people with us, like Scott Berman, co-founder and president of the Panther Group. We've had him on our podcast before, uh, but really quick, he was at our Miami event. If you weren't there, his booth was popping, and we had the booth across from him actually request to be across from him again at future Mm -hmm. events. That's That's how popular you are. Um, But Scott, let's start off. Tell us about what you look for in a good cannabis company.
4: Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Appreciate of it, and the show was awesome. It was the <laughs> best show we've been to in a long time. Uh, so you know, we're looking for companies that have good operators. We're looking for traction. You know, they have to have some revenue in the door. They have to have market share, uh, some customer acquisition that really is staying with them. You know, and then we look for you know what sector they're in, and are they fitting in? How do they fit in versus their competitors in whatever scale they're doing? Let's let's
0: let's dive into the customer acquisition. Is yeah. that? that is interesting and and the market share is interesting to me too because i look at these earnings reports and everybody has top market share
4: yeah right (laughs) everybody has top market share How, how do you determine that well first of all you look at each specific market so if it's a plant touching business where are they licensed and how many dispensaries are in that state how many brands are operating there how many cultivators so that's number one because that's something that changes over time So in the beginning, you might have a big market share as a dispensary, and then 25 dispensaries will open up nearby. So that's a big factor. Interesting. So if it's an ancillary business, then we look at how many different markets they're in and how many competitors are doing the same thing, like seed-to-sale or analytics or something like that, or banking. And so then we look at the competition and we see how many customers they have and how many are staying with them. So that's a really important factor is attrition rate. And over time, if you're keeping customers happy and they're paying you every month, then that's a good sign.
0: So let's talk about when you look at these ancillary companies. You know, obviously, probably a lot, a lot of tech-driven, may, maybe some some uh, hydroponics. I don't know, like those who help plants grow and increase the yield. But I would imagine it's mostly software, right? Mostly innovation. What yes. do you look for in that next product?
4: Well, first of all, good technology. Yeah. Uh, for a good tech stack and a good team that's building it, that's number one. And also something that's been successful in something other industry is also really helpful. So if they've done something like, you know, let's say it's, it's ag tech or something like that, and they're able to do it for other verticals other than cannabis, that helps a lot too. Maybe it's an ERP platform or an ad tech play. You know, if it's applicable to something other than cannabis, that also makes it more interesting for us.
0: Is there an example that you can give us? Uh... Um,
4: I would say Pathogen DX is a good example. Mm. Pathogen, um, uh, they do lab diagnostic testing equipment. They've done. They've branched out into ag tech. They even got into COVID testing, and so they've really gone blown up in the last year or two from that, from getting outside of cannabis. They're still in cannabis, but what,
0: what's a what's a what's a gap right now? You know, in technology, where where if. If there was somebody who could do it all, what would you say they should go into right now?
4: I'd say data and advertising. (laughs) You know, I think that there's a real lack of marketing uh, solutions in the space. There's not a lot of people that understand their consumers in a really deep way. And so everybody, back to the competitive thing, everybody's trying to get at the consumer. So how do you build technology to bring consumers to your website or your store, or to build brand awareness? And so the better that you can do it, that the more able you will to gain more market share over time.
0: Have, have we seen any innovation yet in artificial intelligence um, when it comes to cannabis?
4: Not yet, um, but they're trying. It's definitely on the growing side. There's a lot of people trying to build AI into the growing technology. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know how well it's working, but I think it has the capability of really improving the grow technology in a lot of ways. Now,
0: let's dive back into data, because age-old question, and obviously a gap but how do you as an investor get the data you need for an investment and for your portfolio companies? Yeah. Uh, where do you get the data to know that this is worthwhile?
4: Well, first of all, we look at whatever the company can put out. We look at the data room very you know, closely. Um, we look at uh, industry data in that sector. So we, we look at research data and what's happening in the space. And we look at it against the other people that are doing what they're doing. The other thing that we're also doing is ingesting consumer data so we can understand what the consumer is buying. So for example, if you're trying to do a pre-roll company and pre-rolls are growing in that state and this company has market share that's growing, that's a real good sign because we know that that space is growing in the terms of form factors and this company is on top of it and growing along with it.
2: That's
0: awesome. So let's talk about brands. Um, you invest in both ancillary and operations. Yes. So a lot of times you don't see initial money into the industry invest in both. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously you can argue portfolio diversification, but uh, is there a reason you chose to invest in both versus you think the value is here?
4: Well, it's interesting. Over time, we've grown more to the plant touching side of it because brands are now growing into different states. So that's part of it is can you operate in more than one state? You know, the, the software companies can go anywhere, the lighting companies can do anything they want, but brands have historically been one state at a time. That's changing. So the, the ability for a brand to go into multiple markets and attract new consumers makes it more interesting for us. That's also the reason why we don't invest as much in cultivators anymore, because cultivation is now siloed into that state and it's a, it's a hard game to play. So we prefer being in multiple markets.
0: Mm, I could pick your brain all day. Uh, let's dive in. One last question here to loyalty. When looking at increasing customer acquisition, you obviously want return customers. Do you see a successful model out there doing that as it should be done right now, or is it...
4: I think there's a bunch of different ones. You know, there's a lot of different... Uh, there's Spring Break, which does texting. You know, we're, we invested in Lucid Green, which does on-pack uh, QR codes to build loyalty. Um, we're launching a private label credit card for dispensaries now for to build loyalty in the store. Nice. Yeah, so, I mean, there's, it's growing. I, th- I still don't think we're there yet. Yeah. And that goes back to the customer acquisition and understanding who the consumer is. So I think the more that, you know, it's going to shift. It's going to be like Delta Airlines, where you get your Delta credit card and you get 20,000 miles. Things like that are going to really build into the cannabis space.
0: I want you to know Delta should get into cannabis because you're the second person to mention Delta really? today. Uh, so that's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. Scott Berman, president, co-founder of Panther Group. Really, really uh, entrenched investor in the space. Uh, really respect your work. Man. Thank you. Thanks Appreciate
4: what you guys do every time. And thank you for having yeah. me on. Of course. Yeah. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time.
0: Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better? This episode is brought to you by Verizon. Get a Verizon Business Unlimited plan from the network businesses rely on. Hey, Monica, with 5G Ultra Wideband in many more cities, you get up to 10 times the speed at no extra cost.
1: Hello downloads in no time.
0: Plus unlimited premium data and hotspot data to keep the signal flowing and your team's going. Come in or book an appointment with a Verizon business expert to find the right plan for your team. 5G Ultra Wideband available in over 1,700 cities with Business Unlimited Pro 2.0 smartphone plan. Speed comparison is to
1: median Verizon 4G
0: LTE speeds. Download speeds may vary depending upon network and coverage conditions and content optimization for 5G Ultra
1: Wideband. Jeep Freedom Days are here, where right now, well-qualified returning FCA lessees get a low-mileage lease on the 2022 Grand Cherokee WK Laredo E4x4 for $369 a month for 36 months with $3,799 due at signing. Tax title license extra. No security deposit required. Call 1-888-925-JEEP for details. Requires dealer contribution at least across our capital. Lessee is responsible for termination fees. Current lease must end by 7323 Extra charge for miles over 30000 Residency restrictions apply. Take delivery by 7522 Jeep is a registered trademark.